This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 151 and a half, where we are all one step closer to joining the Jays' rotation. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight for this very special edition, the trade edition of, uh, of Artificial Turf Wars by Joshua Howsome. Josh, how, how goes the trade wars? Well, they're over. <laughs> yeah, I think all wars should have like an expiry date on them. That would probably be for the best teams that countries just start doing crazy stuff to try to, <laughs> to win in the last minute and then you're done no more fighting uh no more trading because uh 4 p.m today uh the blue jays uh i think they pretty much traded everybody anyway save for the injured guy and the uh shortstop um so let us begin uh do you just want to go in in the order you gave me here i assume that was chronological Yes, it was. So Kyle Johnson. No, no, I think Phelps. No, was it wasn't first. chronological. It was just the order that I found them in. Thomas Hatch is a Blue Jay traded for David Phelps. Uh, your takeaway. So David Phelps was a guy. Is a guy who had a nice, pretty little ERA and pretty much nothing else to suggest that was sustainable. <laughs> His strikeout and walk rates and home run rates and everything rates were exactly the same as the year before, whereas the ERA was in the mid fours. And there was just, you're not going to get a lot for that guy. He's pretty, he's useful against right handed batters, not so much against lefties. And, you know, Hatch is okay. I mean, he's a 24 year old. He was a third round pick a couple of years ago in 2016. So I guess that's a few years ago. He's a starter in the minors, but pretty much everything I'm seeing says that he's probably a reliever long-term, which, you know, he's in double A, he's 24, so he's a guy who can help in a rotation soon if they need it or go to the bullpen. Basically, exactly kind of guys they got last year in Corey Copping and Jacob Vigas back. Uh, and David Phelps really had, I mean, other than the, the day-to-day, yes, he's someone to pitch out of the bullpen, he he had no particular future role with his team, right? Yeah, and I realized I was just talking about Daniel Hudson because he, I did that in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> David, David yeah, Phelps, Phelps throw his velocity's down, right? So, yeah. and he has a year of control with a semi-potentially expensive option. It depends on how many games he gets into this year. It's, you know, we talked about his weird escalators when the Jays signed him. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what you get. It's, a, it's like it's a guy who could be something useful in the bullpen and maybe a fifth, sixth starter, right? And that's fine. That's a plenty serviceable return for a relief pitcher, a middle relief pitcher. Um, so that's Johnson for Hudson. Uh, so now, Hatch, sorry, now Johnston for Johnston, not Johnson, because I'm assuming both exist out there. Uh, for Hudson. Yeah, so I obviously explained what Hudson was already. (laughs) (laughs) 
how interchangeable are your your relievers? Your if, right-handed relievers. If I did not instantly call you out on that because I really wasn't sure which guy was which. <laughs> There's a lot about the quality of this Toronto Blue Jays team this year. Uh, which right-handed reliever is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's like uh, from Major League. It's, uh, Christ, I can't find it. <laughs> oh, but uh, Johnson's kind of the same kind of the same kind of thing, where he's a starter now, but looks like he could be a decent reliever down the road. So now that we got the two little ones out of the way, I think people knowing that we came to this podcast as an emergency release here, I think everybody has weighed in on the big one. And the big one is saying farewell to um, Aaron Sanchez, Joe Biagini, and a prospect called, is it Callum Stevenson? Cal. Cal Stevenson for Derek Fisher, uh, who is, in many respects, uh, a lot like a lot of the other outfielders that the Blue Jays have traded for over the last two years. and there's some pretty upset people about about losing Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini and only getting one guy in return. Where do you fall on this? I'll let you go first this time. Um, I think that recency bias for Aaron Sanchez is a huge thing for a lot of people, but I also think there's a lot of sort of built-in affection for him as a player. Like, I'm a big Aaron Sanchez fan, so I understand that part of it. Um... He's not good, though. (laughs) I don't know how to tell people that without hurting feelings. But he is injury-prone. He was not good when healthy up until his last, like, three starts. Uh, So you're not trading for... You're not trading Aaron Sanchez from the last three starts, though. You're, You're trading the whole package of Aaron Sanchez. So I understand why trading him now is just as good a time as any to trade him. Um, Joe Biagini is, hey, he's another right-handed reliever who uh, I only know because he makes wacky comments like, um, I'm glad I'm going to the Astros because now I can see what it's like in space or whatever by paraphrase there. (laughs) Um, That's the only reason I know Joe Biagini is different from David Phelps. I don't know anything about the prospect, um, so I'll I'll hold off there. (laughs) Okay. Um, well, okay. Ultimately, the Blue Jays seem to really like Derek Fisher. I don't like Derek Fisher that much. I think I think you could have just kept Aaron Sanchez, but if you were going to trade him, I don't think this is an unreasonable return to, for, to get for Biagini and Sanchez if you really like the player you're getting. I just I feel like that's a bit of a forced thing on Ross Atkins' part. Where do you stand? Yes, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I think that last bit you said is kind of the important thing to touch on first. So... Without knowing anything about way you know, Ross Atkins is thinking, the the thought first thought is like, why are they even bothering to trade Aaron Sanchez right now? Without saying what happens if they stick him in the bullpen and see if he can be, come back to being a dominant reliever who you can then trade in the off season or in you know or the next year's deadline like they're going to do with Ken Giles. Uh, but then Ross Atkins was asked, basically asked some of these questions. And if you listen to his answers, he does not think Aaron Sanchez is going to be good again. No, no. He wished like, him all the best. Like you do when someone retires. 
<laughs> yeah, but he is also like when he had a chance to talk about it, he's like, you know, it's like you look at it, it's like he's got a year of control left and you know, it's like he's had some rough times. He hasn't been that good the last couple of years, essentially. And then he was when he started talking about him, it's like, and you know, it's like like going forward, like we're really gonna miss the player. He's a really nice guy. Like, but basically saying, We think he sucks. Yeah. Like that that's pretty much what Ross Atkins was saying. And so if the Blue Jays really do believe that Aaron Sanchez will never turn it around again, or at least not in the next year and a half, which is, or next year, which is what matters for the Blue Jays, obviously, then I think it's a fine trade. Um, I don't know if I feel the same way. I think that it was worth exploring and being in the bullpen. I do like Fisher a bit. I mean, he's got he hits the ball real hard. He's really fast. Um, and unlike some of these other outfielders, he does take walks, which, you know, not a lot of guys in the Jays do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's two. <laughs> Danny Jansen yeah. and Kevin Biggio. Yeah. And Justin Smoke who's still here. Well, um, yeah. Smoke is somebody I, I've seen it like a dozen times. It's a tweet of, of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and at, at the empty house. Will yeah. Smith at the end, and that is tagged. This is Justin Smoke. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he must kind of feel like, where'd everybody go? He is the last man standing from the uh, 2016 playoff roster. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's some serious um, but I know Derek Fisher also strikes out a ton, and he's never hit at the big league level. So, you know, there's a lot to like and a lot not to like about Derek Fisher. And once so, again, we've heard about an outfielder who can play center field but play all three outfield positions, which. Yeah, I, I mean, if he only... sounds a lot like Teoscar Hernandez to you, then <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sounds like, you know, or or um, Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney cannot play center field. But, he's, but uh, the... I don't think he's like Billy McKinney. I think that like Billy McKinney was supposed to be a guy who hits for average that started suddenly hitting for a bit of power and stopped hitting for average. But like Teosca Hernandez was the fast power hitting guy who could play all three positions, could fake center field, but probably shouldn't be there. That's Derek Fisher. So, Derek Fisher just walks a bit more than Teosca Hernandez. So why are the Blue Jays that high on Derek Fisher? We don't know. And the other thing I, sorry, I wanted to throw in about Aaron Sanchez back there was uh, the thing that we don't have that um mr atkins does have is the actual medicals from aaron sanchez so i think that's that's something people discount maybe in this situation that you know he might know something about the overall condition of aaron sanchez that we don't know yeah this is definitely a situation where there's you know a, a lack of information on one side of, of the of the coin here which is us and but with what we know, I don't really love this trade. I don't go like, you know, especially because Cal Stevenson was thrown into it. Mm. Uh, I mean, if it was just Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini for a flyer on Derek Fisher, it would be okay, I guess. But Stevenson's not bad. <laughs> you know, like he was a, he was a 10th round pick of the Jays last year, but he's, and he's had a really good start to his pro career. So I don't, totally get that aspect of it i don't know it, it it does seem a little forced uh in terms of did you have to do this at this exact moment 
you know, was there no other time you might get Derek Fisher for Aaron Sanchez plus plus? <laughs> you know, it's not like Derek Fisher was getting called up tomorrow and about to tear the league apart uh, from the sounds of it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of the trade, but I'm I'm not ready to uh, throw this front front office under the bus. Um, you know, the other two trades are that's just I think that's what you do. You you restock with younger people when this this is a rebuild and a sell-off i don't know why people are still seemingly quite excitable about that part of the process well i don't think anybody was really upset about the hudson and phelps trades or the sogard one i mean i think those were just guys that were not going to be back and get what you can um but this this one i get the reaction i mean especially because of like you said the emotional investment that people have in aaron sanchez and to a lesser extent joe biagini joe biagini is completely fungible like he's like reliever you know a b or c like just pick one right i mean he's outperformed by guys that you just pick up off you know the scrap heap in in free agency mm-hmm. so like him being traded he's not he doesn't have a lot of trade value despite the fact that he has control he's not that good you know yeah he's he's fine he's, he's useful but he's not anything special yeah so we've seen now the strategy pretty clearly and the trend here at the deadline and and people have quite um gotten a bit incensed or made a bit of a mockery of Ross Atkins specifically referring to turning 14 years of control into 42 years of control in order to determine you know how how these trades went because i think people are um you know breaking that down that one quote without really following what he was trying to emphasize there uh how do you feel about the overall strategy or what do we think the overall strategy is here going forward well the overall strategy was clearly let's get as many pitchers as we can into this organization Mm -hmm. and I have no problem with that. I mean, the, the team's strength clearly is in the offensive side right now. Uh, you know, they added an outfielder. They did need some outfielder to help because they don't have a lot of those in the minors. And they got a decent one. I mean, Fisher's not bad. I mean, he's going to be in the bigs this week. So we'll get to see him through the end of the year. Uh, but, you know, they added pitchers, pitchers, and more pitchers. They got a couple pretty good ones in K and, you know, at Simeon Boys Richardson. <laughs> it's a tough name to say. Yeah. Um, I but wonder, they, I do, I haven't looked this up yet. I assume he will be the first Simeon to ever play in the major league. I don't know. He might be. But, uh, and the guys that they get for Sogard might be okay, right? Because Sogard was actually having a fantastic season and might have had more valuable, more value than we thought. So they had a goal. It was just a, just fill the coffers with pitching because they need that. And I don't have a problem with that idea. I think, um, you know, speaking to the larger goal here of obviously contending again, uh, that I, I don't think they're sitting on their hands waiting for, you know, 2021. I, I don't. I think if, because the other thing that, uh, you know, I, I it's not my money to spend or not spend, but it does seem to me like they have left themselves a tremendous amount of financial flexibility Um going into the next year or two uh, that Atkins went on at great length about um, without specifically saying that they could sign free agents. His indication seemed to be that if he, you know, 
if he saw things starting to come together sooner rather than later, that it would be very easy for him to augment that roster with with a free agent uh, as opposed to having to wait on just the right pieces to come together. Yeah, or trades, right? Because they'll have yeah. all, these, all these minor leaguers. And you know, he, he just specifically addressed, by the way, which was, this was a good question from Arash Madani, he, who asked him, like, look, other publications, anonymous GMs are saying you whiffed on the Stroman deal. And he basically said, it's like, yeah, like people look at the, you know, like the, the prospect rankings and it's like, we don't agree. We really like these two guys and fine. You know, like if, if that's what you're going to say, that's great. Like if you like the guys, then that's the guys you should go get. Yeah. I, I think people don't expect there to be a great gulf between an organization's internal evaluation and the external evaluation uh, you know, the publicly available one, because there's a lot of information available right now. And I also, I do wonder whether a team is, thinks it's too smart for its own good, right? We like this guy. Nobody else likes this guy as much. He's a great deal. Well, I mean, the opposite could be true. You like the guy because you, you've evaluated him poorly and he's not actually that good. Like um, both of those things could be true on any given player, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear, especially, though, that they were extremely high on Simeon Woods-Richardson, which, you know, there are people who are. I mean, you know, we talked to Jeff Padnoster, who was not as high on him, but, you know, like, you know, Saris was speaking to someone who was like, he's a dude, and that's just the way, you know, talks, right? But, <laughs> you know, so, so I get that stuff. I, I do want to address one quick thing, though, about the strategies and all this. <clears throat> we talked, when we did our podcast after Strom was dealt, how Atkins had essentially said, you know, they thought the, the the offers were what they were, and so they made the move. Like, they weren't going to change. That I have a bit of an issue with. I'm not saying they would have gotten better, but to assume that they wouldn't change. I'm not, like, is a bit crazy. I mean, after Trevor Bauer went to the Reds of all teams, you have to think that some of those other teams might have been a little more willing to trade for a Marcus Stroman than they were before that, before the other best piece was off the market. Yeah, it's it's tough to say why he still thinks pulling the trigger early was was the right move. But that's where we're at, right? Yeah. So and again, like I, I just want to make it clear that I'm not saying the market definitely would have changed. I think to assume that is crazy, but I also think it's kind of crazy to assume that it definitely would not. Yeah. Um I yeah, it's it's hard to like I can see the overall arc of the strategy. But it's hard to say each individual move was, you know, good, bad, fantastic, awful. I, I think I think anyone who thinks that, that they got hosed over and over again at the trade deadline is really optimistic about the value of the players on a team that's going to lose just about 100 games if they keep this up. Yeah. I mean, they had one truly elite piece and he got hurt. Yeah. And and then the only nice part I I think about the Ken Giles problem is if he does recover and he is good um next year although you might not get as much for him in the off season or you might not get as much for him the other flip side of it is if the team you know by some miracle comes you know from that last to first scenario which strangely we have seen in the major league you know arena a couple of times in the last few years um it it wouldn't hurt to have a ken giles at the back of the bullpen next year if he's healthy yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Stone Atkins was saying, too. It's like, look, we're thrilled to have him. He's good. 
you know yeah it's it's not a matter of you know we're trying to foist them off on people because we we don't know what to do with them we just we figure um you know he could help somebody else more than he can help us right now and right now he can't help anybody because he's not feeling the best yeah uh it's I don't have the official do-over button here, but uh, I think we should give the the uh, unofficial do-over, as, as you had suggested to me earlier, uh, to Barry Davis, who is independently employed with a show about sports. <laughs> and he he had a tweet. Um, we you just you mentioned how many pitchers the Blue Jays had just accumulated. I believe they've accumulated over the last like year. It's like thirteen major minor league prospects. Um, and that is not that's Scott Stinson's tweet. Where the heck's Barry's Dyer's Barry's tweet? Right above it. I got it. I got it. it. Uh, Barry, I just want to hear the front office explain the reason for these moves. If pitching is so vital, why would they trade five of them this week to get no one close to MLB ready in return? Okay. <laughs> Number one, not all pitchers are the kind of pitchers you need next year. I don't know how to explain that to Mr. Davis. Can you explain it to him any simpler than like David Phelps is not the guy you need next year to fill out your rotation? Right, exactly. It's like you're trading three middle relievers. You're not going to get major league <laughs> pitching for those guys. That's and you, just not how it works. And keeping them doesn't help you in the long run. They're middle relievers with like minimal control going into arbitration. So, yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, second of all, get no one close to MLB ready in return. Um, Anthony K is going to be in the big leagues maybe in September. Yeah. So that's at least one dude. And I mean, there's some debate about the other guys, whether, you know, how soon they'll be MLB ready or whether they'll be valuable contributors. But you, again, you don't need them to be ready now. You, you need a pipeline, though, where you have to have somebody who could fill in your rotation in 2020 and uh, especially 2021, you, you need, you need a group of players and the blue Jays clearly do, did not before they went crazy for minor league pitching, have anything that resembled a group of pitchers, whether you like the ranking of the, those players, that's a completely different matter. But, but the guys that they had um, weren't on anybody's list for anything. At least now you've got a list of people. So Barry, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do we explain window of contention to you? That's I, there's the do over. Do look at, trade value. I mean, like, yeah, look at, like, get a dictionary. But I mean, it's just like look at what he's complaining about. They had one like legitimate trade piece that was traded, Stroman. They got a major league almost ready pitcher for him and another good prospect. <laughs> and then they traded four guys who nobody really needed. Yeah, for at least something. And they got a major league ready outfielder in one of those trades. Ah, try again, Barry. Try paying attention. Was, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, overall, it was a bit underwhelming. Like, as a fan and like looking at who the Jays had to trade and what was out there, there was a chance going into this that they could really do a big jump start to this rebuild and then Ken Giles elbow. The Jays just have the worst luck. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's not like you could you could baby Ken Giles through the season hoping he wouldn't get injured because then he doesn't look like a dominant closer. So you got to roll him out there, and then it turns out, oh, he's not healthy. Like, uh, uh, the Ryan Barucki news. 
also not good. Yeah. Uh, it's the rotation right now is like uh Trent Thornton, Jacob Wag is back, Tom Panone, Sean Reed Foley, and I don't know me. Colin Colleen Evans. <laughs> You're getting called up, Colleen. We just we gotta dig your number out there. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's I don't know who it's gonna be. A bullpen day? They uh, they made a, a waiver claim. Brock Stewart. Uh, who was the gentleman who was warming up in the bullpen today before I, I, did I have him? No, didn't see him. Uh, yeah, can't remember the name now. I heard the name from, uh, from Mike Wilner and I was like, who? Um, we'll cover him next week if I ever figure out who that was. Huh. All right. Oh, you're talking about, um, Bashir. Yeah. He's a lefty reliever. Because Tim Mesa, we needed more than one. Yeah, but um, anyway, but it, the Jays, <laughs> yeah, it's four, three years in a row. Like two years, three years ago, it was Bautista and and Estrada just started to suck. Like they were they were good trade pieces who just went to garbage overnight. Yep. Last year is Donaldson, and then this year it's Giles. Like, come on. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, there's always next year for trades. No, that's not what we want to be thinking about. All right. Uh, all the best to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and his Grand Slams. Hope he hits another one tomorrow. Uh, any very brief final thought for you on this very abbreviated special trade edition of the uh, the Artificial Turf Wars podcast? Justin Smoke is still a Blue Jay. And loving it. And Kristen Smoke is incredibly relieved, judging by her Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, this has been episode number 151 and a half of the Artificial Turf Wars, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and we will talk about at you not quite next week. Mm-hmm.